The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Sounds of the Anteater Kingdom on 88.9 FM KUCI in Irvine. Good morning. My name's Shane Burke. You're listening to Tech Talk here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Uh, we're starting a little late this morning. Um, it's been a crazy morning. Okay, so today we are talking about um, CSS, Cascading Style Sheets. And we're going to be continuing our discussion because we didn't get through all those properties and values that we have. Um, so... Uh, where did we leave off? We left off with, we, the last thing we talked about were, um, floats and clearing. And, um, you'll remember that it was a little, it was a little tough to get your, your head around. Um, so I encourage you to go to our website, shaneburke.me, and look at all the videos that I've got up there. I don't have any up there yet. I hope to go by the Apple store, maybe today. I need to uh, get iMovie. For some reason, it's not on my computer anymore. And so I, I haven't been able to edit anything. So as soon as I can uh, edit, I'm going to edit all of our XHTML videos that I already have up on the website. I'm going to um, edit them and, and make them a little bit more streamlined. And um, then I'll be adding the ones for CSS and for both CSS episodes. So for CSS Part 1 and CSS Part 2, which is today. Um, I'm probably going to be having a video of how you do floats and how you do positioning because those are pretty confusing. I'll also probably be doing, um, what else did I want? Oh, margins and padding. Because those are, those three things are probably the biggest things that you're going to be doing with CSS. Um, there are, you know, we've got how you deal with lists and, um, so that's kind of something that's interesting and will be useful to you, and I'll talk about that a little bit more at the end of the hour. Um, but So that's what you can expect. Um, so let me just get straight into what we didn't cover last time. Um, one of the things I didn't get to was the property overflow. And overflow has three different values. Um, it can have visible, hidden, and scroll. Remember, that none of these are quoted. They're um, just written as is. So it would be overflow, colon, visible, hidden, or scroll, whichever one you want to apply. Um, visible is where if you, if you set overflow, then it will um, appear outside elements out of the box. So basically, if you, um, if you set the margin and the padding so the padding extends below the margin, then having overflow visible which is default, would show the padding going below the margin. Whereas overflow hidden would cut it and, and make the extra um, padding, Whether so if you had a background image on there, then it would cut the background image and um, basically make what is beyond the margin of the box invisible. And then you've got scroll. So if you have too much content, for example, there, 
then the overflow, when it's on scroll, will cut the additional content, but add a scroll bar so you can um, scroll up and down. And uh, that way you can still see the remaining content. So again, visible would just be if you have too much content then and it goes outside of the box. So if you let's say you set a certain height on your box and you had a lot of text inside of that box and it went beyond that height, then you would still see all that height. All, excuse me, all that content. It would extend beyond the height that you specified. If you put overflow hidden and had a specified height, then the extra content would be cut off and be completely invisible. And if you set scroll, then it would act initially like it was hidden, so you would only see the content that was within the height you specified, but it would add a scroll bar, and you could, your user could scroll down and see the rest of that content. So it's kind of a hybrid. Um, now we've got visibility. Visibility can have two different values, visible and hidden. Um, so visible is default, and you probably wouldn't specify that. But hidden is unique. It's, it's kind of um, like display none, which we talked about last week. Except this is different, because display none actually removes that element from the document entirely. It's as if that element didn't exist, if you, if you can remember back to last week. However, with visibility hidden, the space that that element occupied is still um, left in the document, except the visibility, it, it just doesn't appear. So, hence, visibility hidden. Um, so that's a little bit different. It's a little difficult to um, understand that over the radio. So again, I'll probably have something um, going over overflow and visibility um, and display and showing the differences between all that. Um, so check, check that out online. Then we've got Z-index. And Z-index can be a number. Uh, negative values are permitted, I believe, if I recall correctly. I usually just use positive numbers, but I believe you can use a negative number. And uh, basically, if you, if you set the Z-index to have a higher number, then it's treated as if it's on top of the stack. So if you've ever used an image program like um, the GIMP, which is an open source version of Photoshop, um, then you'll be familiar with this. If you have a layer that's on top of your, your um, stack, then that goes on top. Whereas if you have an image below that top layer, then um, it would be partially covered, assuming that you have some transparency or something. And um, so it would be partially covered, and you'd only see part of that bottom image um, because it'd be covered up by the top layer. Um, so think of it as a layer. And uh, Z-index, if you specify a high Z-index, then that thing will be on top, on the highest layer. And you can specify this to be any number that you want. Um, I usually do 999 if I really need something to be, if I want to make sure that it's on top, because it's easy to type, and it's obviously a big number. Um, likewise, if I, if I just want something to maybe be on the bottom, then I'd give it zero. Um, I, don't, I don't really use Z-index too often, because... I just tend to get in the habit of writing my code so that everything, when I actually um, position it, it will um, layer properly on its own. But uh, that's certainly a tool that you can use in your arsenal. Um, and I should say that the property name is z-index. I didn't say that before. Um, so it would be z-index 
colon and whatever number you wanted it to be. Uh, and then we've got color. And this is the text color. I believe I talked about this last week, but I uh, kind of had, had to edit the podcast. So if you're listening to the podcast, you wouldn't have heard this. Um, so the text color, well, color is the text color. So I know that's a little confusing because we had background hyphen color, but this is just color. And um, again, you use a hex number, and um, it's pretty self-explanatory. That's the color of the text that you'd, you'd be giving to that element. So I encourage you to use that. I'm sure that's something that you're going to want to use a lot, and it's something that you'll use very frequently. Um, it's different from most of the other text um, properties because most of them begin with something like font family or, or and they kind of imply that they're dealing with text. However, color is just kind of different. It, it's referring to text, but it doesn't have that font prefix. So um, just remember that. That's kind of different. Then we've got letter hyphen spacing. And this um, basically puts extra space between the characters. I forget what it would be called in something like Photoshop, but um, I'm sure you've seen this effect where maybe in a book you'll see the first line has some sort of text that is, um, it has a Y, the spacing between the letters is wide. So I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Hopefully you understand um, what that means, but I, I probably won't make a video of this, but if you are still kind of unclear about it, then I would go to w3schools.com and they'll have an example there. Um, so basically, it's if you uh, increase the the spacing between the letters, then it appears that those letters are, are further apart from each other. So that's pretty self-explanatory, I think. Um, then you've got line hyphen height. And this is the height between uh, two lines, two lines vertically. So it is um, measured from the baseline of each line in the document. So it's from baseline of the top, the uh, line that's above, to the baseline of the line that's below. And you can set that to be a pixel value. So let's say I wanted a 18 line height, but I wanted only the size to be, um, how about 12? then I would do uh, font size, font hyphen size, set it to 12 pixels, and then um, set line hyphen height to 18 pixels. I think I said 18. Um, so it would appear that my text is smaller, than, is smaller than the line that would be assigned to it. So hopefully that makes a little bit of sense. Uh, if it doesn't, again, check out W3Schools. Uh, then we've got text hyphen align, and this is, if you use any standard word processing program, then this is something you're very familiar with. Um, you can use left, center, right, and um, yeah, that's basically it. Those aren't quoted, and uh, that's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, text hyphen decoration. So this is um, additional things that you would do to the text. You've got the values that it can have are none, underline, overline, line through, line hyphen through, that is. 
and none of those are quoted. And they're pretty self-explanatory. Underline is obviously underline. None is no text decoration. Overline would be a line above the text, and line through would be um, a line through the text. Now, you'll remember when we were talking about HTML that the default formatting for something like an, a DEL tag or delete would be, um, it would have a line through it. And there's also a non-semantic tag called strike, which would achieve the same effect. So instead of using, if, if it isn't appropriate semantically to use the DEL tag, then we certainly don't want to use the strike tag to achieve this effect. Instead, what we want, would want to do is maybe use a span, S-P-A-N, um, tag around the text that we want to have a strike line through, and then we could use the line through, line hyphen through value of the text decoration property to um, apply the same visual effect, that strike through line in the middle of the text, to that span element instead of using the strike tag because we may want to change that text in the future and not have it be striked out. Um, and if we just go into the CSS, then that's really easy to do. Um, we could give that span an ID and only apply the text decoration that we want to um, that ID. And uh, if we want to change that, then that's very easy. We just go into our CSS. And maybe let's say we have that same ID on multiple pages. Um, then so basically we, we would be able to apply from our CSS that, that same effect by only changing one line in our CSS. Whereas if we were doing this with the strike tag, um, then we would actually have to go through and change the strike tag to just a regular span or just completely remove that tag altogether and just make the text be alone by itself, um, we would have to do that for every single file. So you can see the power of CSS. It makes your life much easier once you want to make a change. However, it is um, it makes things a little bit more difficult when you actually have to uh, <laughs> um, style your whole website with CSS to begin with. It takes a little bit more time and it's not as easy as if you if you were just using um, the HTML tags. But it pays off in the end. Um, let's see, what else do we have? We've got text hyphen indent and um, this is pretty self-explanatory. So for every paragraph in a book, it's usually indented and um, this doesn't, it's not smart which is my way of saying it's not going to indent every single paragraph if you, um, you know, make, if you want to do separate paragraphs. What you could do is for every single paragraph in your document, you could specify a, um, you could put that, each paragraph inside of its own P tag, which makes sense because P is for paragraphs, so that's semantic, that's good. And, um, you could use the element in your CSS. So you could just do P and to all of the P tags on your entire website, um, you could then apply the text indent. And so you could indent that text in every single P tag, which is uh, pretty useful if you're 
maybe you're making some sort of application where you're displaying books or, um, yeah, maybe like old books and they're not very common and you want people to be able to read those books in a way that feels more comfortable. So um, text indent would be a great way to do that. It, it definitely would make it more like a real book to your user and not be... Um, uh, it also, it, it, it just helps the, the reader um, visually so they can see when paragraphs start and end more clearly. And the default padding and stuff on a P also makes it very clear. So, yeah, that would be a good use of that. Um, let's see, number... Uh, okay, so text and then just has a number. And, uh, okay, so the next one that I wanted to talk about was text-transform. And you can apply a couple different things to text-transform. You can have capitalize as one of your values, uppercase and lowercase, all one word for both those, and not quoted, of course. Um, capitalize makes the first letter of each word capitalized. Whereas uppercase would actually make every single letter in the word uppercase, and lowercase would do the same except lowercase. Um, so if I had the word and, and I applied capitalized to it, then only the A in the word and would be capitalized. But if I applied lowercase to the word and, then... A, N, and D would all be capitalized. Likewise, if I applied lowercase to the word and, then A, N, and D would all be uh, lowercase. <laughs> Maybe that wasn't a good word because I was using the word and uh, between all the letters. Well, between the second to last and last. Uh, then you've got vertical hyphen align. Uh, so... This can have a number of different values, and you can have um, just a number. You can have um, baseline. You can have sub and super. You can have top, text hyphen top, middle, bottom, and text hyphen bottom. Um, so those are all the different values that you can have to the property of text hyphen align. And uh, there's a couple that I wanted to point out. Uh, one of them is top. So that's basically the top of your element is aligned with the tallest element on the line, if that makes sense. And then uh, text bottom would be that you're aligning all of your text to the bottom of that element. So it would be um, all the text is aligned with the bottom of the parent's font. Um, and then sub and super, those are pretty self-explanatory. That's um, obviously su subscript and superscript. Um, baseline would be aligning uh, the element on the baseline of, of the text. Um, so, yes, like I said, uh, I think I might have misspoke when I was talking about top. Top is, is for the actual element and not the text. So the the te the element would be aligned with the um, tallest element on the line. Um, so that could be text. The tallest element on the line could be text, or it could just be um, an image or something like that.
Okay, um, then we've got white hyphen space, which is white space. Uh, and you can have the values of no wrap with no space there. Pre, pre hyphen line, or pre hyphen wrap. Uh, no quotes around these again. Uh, the text, so with no wrap, the text wraps at line breaks only. And uh, so if we have a BR tag. And the white space is not preserved. So this is basically kind of like the default. Uh, because re remember, the reason that we wanted to use the pre-tag is because um, the browser will strip white space and only do, um, and not allow us to uh, create the returning and, and tabbing and spacing that we specify when we type it. So if you ever wanted to preserve that, you could use a pre-tag, or you could use the pre-attribute, or the pre-value for the white space property, and apply it to whatever elements you wanted to apply it to. Um, so pre, the pre-value works just like a pre-tag. Pre-line is where um, it, the text wraps when necessary, and at line breaks, at BR tags. Um, but white space is not preserved. Uh, so, yes, that's pretty self-explanatory. So, for example, it would wrap at a hyphen if it was um, at the end of the line. And it would also, if you specified a line break, then it would also break there and do a return. Uh, and white space is not preserved. Uh, then you've got pre-hyphen wrap. So this is where the white space is preserved and the text wraps when necessary and at BR. So that's really kind of like the most flexible. It gives you the most control as you type. And um, it's also applying things to the BRs, which is nice because if we specify a BR, obviously we want a line break. And uh, it's also kind of automatic because the text is also wrapping when it's necessary. Okay. We're coming, we've only got three more, so stick with me here. We've got word hyphen spacing, and this is a length. Um, the value would be any sort of length, and that's obviously the space between words. So while for um, this other one we had over here, which was, uh, let me see, where letter spacing, letter hyphen spacing, that is basically um, between the letters in a word, Whereas word spacing, as the name implies, would be space between the words. So how wide do you want your spaces to be um, when you hit the space bar? Uh, and then, so that that's a pixel value. And I don't know, I don't recall if I said this, but letter spacing is, would also be a pixel value. Or any unit, any CSS unit. Uh, but, but it's a length. And then um, the second to last property we have is table hyphen layout. And um, you can specify the value of fixed. And this basically makes the table, it makes, it increases the speed of the table layout algorithm in the browser. So a simple way to say it is your tables will render faster if you apply table hyphen layout fixed to it. Um, however, if you apply that, you also have to specify height and widths. And if you want a dynamic table, that may not be the best option.
It might be an impossible option, in fact. Um, and then this last property that we have is border hyphen collapse. And uh, it has the value of collapse. Um, basically, this is for tables. Again, it's kind of confusing because it doesn't start with the word table like all of our other things do. At least I think. Uh, excuse me, I'm just kind of flipping around here. Okay, never mind. I guess we don't have... Uh, I was under the impression that we did have... No. Never mind. So, uh, border hyphen collapse applies to tables. And... Um, Basically, if you hit, if you specify the value of that to be zero, then um, there won't be space between the borders of the cells. Um, remember, if you wanted to apply borders to tables, then you would just use the border property like we talked about. Um, and you could specify the, uh, whether it's a, a solid line or a dotted line and all that, and the color and the width of all that. And uh, you'll notice if you do that on a, t on a regular table that hasn't been um, augmented with border hyphen collapse, you'll notice that there's space between the table cells and it looks kind of messy and not so great. So um, border collapse will eliminate that extra space that's there. Okay, so we've finally gotten through all of our... Uh, our um, things here, all of our properties and values. The last couple things I wanted to talk about was um, with respect to Internet Explorer and its uh, inconsistencies with other browsers. It is um, one of those things that is very frustrating. In case I, I might have just said Internet Explorer, but this is mostly Internet Explorer 6. So we've really augmented how much CSS and how many properties we're going to be using because of the fact that all of our um, the um, all of these properties there there's more advanced properties but we can't really use them because they're not well supported in Internet Explorer 6 Internet Explorer 6 is fading um, people aren't using it as much but it's difficult to find good numbers on that so really you have to depend on what your users are doing. And um, if you're a new website, as I'm assuming if you're listening to the show, you're probably going to be building new websites, then you need to support all of your users at, at first. But as time goes on, after you look at all of the browser statistics and uh, look at what kind of browsers people are using to view your site with, then you're going to be able to augment the CSS that you use. You can use more advanced um, properties that we didn't really talk about today. Um, but So I just want to try and give you a, a brief overview of the things that should work in Internet Explorer 6 and up, as well as Safari, um, Firefox, Google Chrome, Conquer, all, the, all those different browsers. Uh, some of those you may have never heard of, but, um, oh, Opera also. Um, so, but as you, as you uh, continue with web design, you'll get more familiar with all these different browsers. So I just want to touch on a couple important things to remember um, so you don't get tripped up uh, when you're developing for Internet Explorer 6 because it has a lot of weird bugs and quirks. And I should also say, though, 
that I hate CSS, and uh, so <laughs> this is one of those things that I least like, and these two shows have been a little bit difficult for me to go through, and I'm sure you might not like it as much either, but I, I'm just not a very good designer, so um, these are all things that really frustrate me, and I, I'm not very experienced with it, and I haven't taken the time to really push myself on all these browser inconsistencies. And um, whether or not you do will depend on your patience. And it requires a lot of patience because there's so many things that IE6 does wrong. Uh, one of them, uh, so one of my recommendations is that you add padding to parent elements where the child is floated right and a margin is applied. So this is basically called the double margin bug or the, the um, double padding bug, I believe. And it's where um, Internet Explorer will actually double the margin on the right. Um, so that's kind of frustrating, of course. And uh, so that's one of the things that, that you will need to consider, that you can't apply um, padding. Uh, I'm sorry, you, you shouldn't be using the um, margin on the right if you're floating something to the right because Internet Explorer will double that margin. So instead, what you want to use to achieve the same sort of effect is, is use padding. Um, that obviously has limitations because you, the padding will, as you'll remember when we talked about the box model, if you just apply padding to something, then the background image will still be visible. So that's not really useful for something where you have a background image but um, if, it, if you're just needing to apply that effect where you, you have something offset on the right side of the browser by a certain value, then you can use padding. Um, so be aware of that. One of the things I also want to talk about was that uh, you should use height and width where min height and min width are needed. Um, this is a bug in Internet Explorer, so basically it will treat the height and width the same as min height and min width. And it also um, obviously apply the height and width as normal. Um, so that's kind of a, a convenient bug because we'll already be specifying uh, usually the height and width um, when we're also specifying a min height and min width. So that's kind of actually not too bad. That's, that's something that we can kind of deal with. Um, Internet Explorer also applies line breaks after every floated block element. And this causes something called the step effect. So this is basically where um, if you float something to the left, you'll also need a containing element um, and float the parent of that containing. That, so the containing element would be your parent. And uh, you would want to float that. Um, another thing you can do is add a line height of zero to the parent element or uh, only apply floats to inline elements. So um, one of the things that we're going to talk about is uh, navigation. And this is going to be online on the videos. Um, we're going to talk about how you can actually build navigation from a UL list, an unordered list, and how we're going to apply all of our styling to anchors. To the, to the links in our navigation um, because those are inline elements 
And um, it also brings me to the next thing that I wanted to talk about, which is that IE only supports link, visited, hover, and active pseudo classes on links. Um, so the reason that we want to apply all of our styling to the links in our navigation menu is um, we wouldn't be able to specify um, a pseudo class. So we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to have the hover pseudo class, for example. So if someone hovered over our um, main page on our website, over our, our navigation bar on our main page, it it wouldn't hover. It wouldn't um, if we applied the hover to the li element and created the the box for that. It actually wouldn't um, change color if we assuming we set a different color on the hover state. Um, instead, if we apply it to the text or to the link, then it actually will. So that's something to be aware of. Um, what else do I want to talk about? Oh, yes. Um, IE doesn't support alpha transparencies. Um, alpha transparent PNG images. PNG is a image format that you may have heard of. And um, there is a way to get around it, actually. Uh, you can use PNG8s, um, which are images that you can save using Firefox. I believe you can use some other, or not Firefox, Fireworks. I believe there are some other um, programs that can save as PNG8. I think ImageReady is one. However, they don't treat the transparency the same way that Fireworks does. So um, check out the website. Uh, there will be a link there. And uh, the one of the things you should know is that the experience is degraded for Internet Explorer users. Um, because they don't really, it doesn't support alpha transparent images. So if you were, a good example would be if you were trying to make a, um, a fade, like a drop shadow or something, then Internet Explorer 6 by default will actually add like an ugly gray, blue background color to it. And it won't be transparent. So if you save it as a, um, PNG 8 using Fireworks, which is, I believe, an Adobe software. And I believe there's only a certain version that will actually do this the way that um, will make it work for Internet Explorer 6. But the link will be up on the website. Uh, anyway, I kind of lost track of where I, what I was going to say. So I will just continue on because... Um, there's no point in me just explaining how you would actually save something in Fireworks. In fact, I don't even have Fireworks, and I've never actually done this, but I know it, it does work. Um, so check that out. Use it if you can find it, because I, I think, like I said, I believe there's a certain version that can do this, and it's an older one. Um, so my my final big thing that I wanted to talk to you about was. I have a couple more here, but um, this should really be starred, circled, and underlined. Um, be sure to validate your XHTML and CSS, and check links on the website if you run into un unexpected problems. So um, I'm going to have a link up for all of the different Internet Explorer bugs. There's a good website that lists them all and how you can fix them. So um, 
that would be a great place to go. Like I said, I use that resource all the time. And um, I encourage you to because uh, CSS is really frustrating and it's nice to be able to walk on the shoulders of people who have already kind of been around this stuff and know all the different browser inconsistencies. So I encourage you to uh, look at the website and validate your code. Uh, validation is really important because you need to make sure that you're starting from the same point. So you, you want to make sure that your code is adhering to the standards first, your XML and your CSS, because you'll see sometimes you'll be going crazy over something that you think is a problem with your CSS, and it actually wasn't. It was a problem with your HTML. So make sure you're always checking out your um, HTML too and, and validating that. And uh, validate your CSS. The W3C um, has a validator. It, it's different. It's not w3.org slash validator. Um, I don't know the URL off the top of my head, but uh, the link will be up on the website. And uh, make sure you go to it. Uh, also, be sure that your website degrades gracefully. Um, this means that you should turn off CSS and everything should work. It should look all, it, well, it won't look all right, but um, it should at least work. Then um, I just wanted to let you know that there's a nice little download for the Firefox browser called what, the Web Developer Toolbar. And this is a great tool because it actually it allows you to turn off CSS. It allows you to turn off JavaScript. It allows you to disable images, to disable cookies. You can basically you can do so much with it. It's really really powerful. So I recommend that you um, download that little toolbar if you have Firefox. Um, and hopefully by now you you're you do have multiple browsers. Um, you'll notice from my screencasts I may be changing them, but um, I actually have four browsers, I believe. I've got Google Chrome, I've got Opera, Safari, and Firefox all on my Mac. Um, and then I have a separate PC that has a native version of Internet Explorer 6. Um, so, yeah, definitely download multiple browsers. Um, at least download Firefox if you don't already use it, because you can have this web developer toolbar, and it's really useful. Um, and then, um, I just want to talk to you a little bit about the um, a certain technique that you can use for CSS. And this is called sprites. Um, CSS sprites are basically images, but they have a lot of separate images contained within them. And uh, they are really helpful in reducing HTTP requests. And uh, you should always try to use CSS sprites whenever possible, uh, especially for layout and um, making your website beautiful, or however you want to say it, um, for the actual design and, and the background images and all that. But um, obviously this wouldn't work for things where your users are, are actually uploading images. You can just use a regular image tag and insert the image there. Um, so basically with sprites what you do is you create your your images or obviously yeah you create your images and you actually um, 
specify a height and width and display it as a block level element um, if it's an inline element. Uh, one of the things about inline elements is they don't um, accept width and height. So they don't obey it. They just um, are the size of the content that's within them. So um, if you're using a span, then you would be you would want to specify a display block. If you were using a block level element already, you don't have to um, because it's obviously already block level. An example of a block level element is a div. And I don't think we really talked about what is and what isn't block level and inline, but um, I'll put a I'll make a note to put a link of that up on the website because there is a good site that has basically they're just listed so you can have an idea of what needs to have display block um, applied to it so let me write that down um, let me see what else did I want to talk about content uh, text images intact uh, okay that's all about the box model so I don't need to talk about that because we already talked about that um, a good resource that I want to refer you to is something called um, 960.gs and that's the 960 grid system it basically does CSS layout for you and that's really helpful you can um, specify the width of all these different columns that you want to use in your design and um, it automatically it, it, it has all the CSS written there and you can uh, easily create a tableless layout. Remember, one of the things that we want to do is get away from using tables to um, display the layout of our website and to display um, certain images and things like that. Uh, tables should just be used for data, which so we'll we'll adhere to the semantic meaning of the table tag. And then the final thing that I wanted to talk about are um, a couple of things that I'm going to have up on the internet on some videos about. Um, we're going to want to use very frequently a um, technique called text image replacement. And basically, you'll remember that, I think I said this last week, that search engines don't understand images. So if you have text in an image, it's not going to understand that. You're going to have to apply the actual um, text that's within the image, you'll have to type that into the HTML somehow. One of the ways you can do that is by um, putting in the text in your HTML and then uh, kind of adjusting it so that that text goes away, the actual HTML text goes away, and then you'll use an image, maybe you want to use a custom font for all of your headings, then uh, that actual image will be what's displayed. Um, Again, uh, the technique that I'm going to show you degrades gracefully. So if someone doesn't have CSS disabled and we use a certain technique that doesn't degrade gracefully, then people visiting our site without CSS won't even see the heading. Um, however, if we use the technique that I'm going to show you, they will. Um, people that have CSS will see the image. People that don't have it will just see the plain HTML text. Um, so, as you kind of get experience with, with all of this stuff, you'll, you'll understand um, the best ways to do things and the importance of having a website that degrades gracefully. Um, then I'm going to do, I'm going to talk about navigation 
forms, rounded corners, which is a very popular thing in Web 2.0, and tables. Uh, navigation, like I said, we're going to be using unordered lists, forms, obviously all those tags we talked about in the first episode. Rounded corners, we're going to be using divs and uh, non-semantic markup. Uh, appropriate non so we're going to be using divs um, around semantic markup, which will be used to actually display the content that goes within those rounded corners. So we have to do a lot of um, CSS manipulation and, and trickery to kind of get everything to lay out properly. And my technique uses sprites. This is, this is really unique. I just kind of came across this last weekend, I think. And um, basically, I've, I created a way to use sprites without tables um, and without large image files. So that's really, really useful. Um, it's going to save a lot of bandwidth. It may increase the uh, time that it takes to lay it out for the browser, but um, that's something I'm not as concerned about uh, because I'd rather have less HTTP requests or the same if you use um, other techniques, but smaller files. So I think my technique is better all around. Additionally, you can actually use transparencies, um, which, is, which is nice. Um, because maybe you want a transparent box with rounded corners. Well, with some other techniques and um, code that I've used before, that wasn't possible. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty excited about the rounded corners, if you can't tell. I, I came up with that one, and I was pretty happy. And then I'm going to talk about basic styling of tables. Um, you'll remember we had so many, you know, row groups and um, th through T-bodies and... and T-heads and T-foots. Um, we had those column groups with the call group tag and the call tag. Um, and so I'm actually going to show you how you can use CSS on those tags and on just regular TDs, table cells, and table rows, and table headings, how you can apply um, styling to all those things very quickly, very easily. And I'll show you the benefit of using those tags above um, applying a class to every single table cell. So um, hopefully you'll see how CSS can really make your life much easier. So we're coming up at the end of the hour. Well, not the end of the hour, but the end of the show because I'm all out of content to talk to you about. I'm sure you're happy, and um, I'm sure certainly happy to be done with CSS because it's, um, it's nice, but it takes a while to get used to, and um, for someone that is not as good a designer, it is uh, difficult for me. So, uh, without any further ado, I'm just going to bid you goodbye, uh, or we'll play some music and uh, a couple quick PSAs, or public service announcements. So, have a nice day. I hope you enjoyed our show. <laughs>